Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Real Deal Sports Talk with KP. November 26th. A day rivalry week. Wow, it has been one. We came into the weekend looking good. NFL football was doing strong things on Thursday. Rivalry week ahead of us. Games on Friday, games on Saturday, more NFL games on Sunday. It's been a good holiday weekend for the game of football. Now, that's not all we'll talk about today. Again, thanks for listening. This is Real Deal Sports Talk with KP. The hotline, the text line is always open, 720-515-5597. And, of course, the website, realdealsportstalkwithkp.com, where there are various ways to follow us, share us, get a hold of us, and communicate with us. Um. So, yeah, a lot of great stuff that we're going to get to talk about today, right? It's that time of year. you got rivalry week. You've got conference championships coming up in college football. You really, you're turning the bend in the NFL. You now really, you know who those contenders are going to be. Um, of course, as, as a product of the 80s and the 90s, the Survivor Series is taking place at this time of year. We got... We got uh, some reasons why I love sports and, and you know, some, some reasons why I don't love sports as well this week. And we're actually going to start with those two reasons. The two reasons I don't love sports this week, get them out of the way. They're stories that are out there, stories that are being talked about. And we're going to start with this, this Jerry Jones photo. Um, it, to me, if it took until you saw this photo, to question whether or not Jerry Jones had at minimum, at minimum, some racist, racist tendencies, you probably weren't paying attention. Um, We've heard his stance on kneeling for the national anthem. We've, we've seen and heard other actions out of Jerry Jones beyond a photo from when he was 14 outside of Central High in Little Rock, Arkansas, as it was first being integrated. Um, the argument that, oh, well, he employs black people, he can't be racist, please shut up. Just shut up. Stop with that. You're, you're, you're bringing a pencil to a knife fight, and you're just going to lose. That's just a horrible, horrible stance. Ignorance all around or something like that. The idea that at 14, Jerry Jones didn't know 
and I'm paraphrasing Eton Thomas there a little bit. He had a, he had a great take on this. The idea that at 14, Jerry Jones didn't know or that he was just a young guy and made a wrong choice and deserves not to be um, ridiculed in any way for this. But we look at Trayvon Martin. We look at other cases where they were not afforded that. The color of their skin did not afford them that. But we're supposed to do that here for Jerry Jones and not question why the white kid is there with all of the other white kids who are there to bully the black kids who are integrating their school. Oh, yeah, he, he was just curious. That's all it was. He, he I didn't know how big of a deal it was going to be. Everybody was just shouting profanities and racial slurs. I decided to just hang out because I was curious. Look at the look on my face in the photo. Or was it that everybody who was in that photo had one collective idea that day? And it just so happens a couple of them, you can read it on their face. No, you don't get a pass. There was probably many people that were curious as to what was happening at Central High in Little Rock, Arkansas. They didn't show up hand in hand, shoulder in shoulder with the group of people that was trying to prevent it, that was breeding hate. So no, you don't get a pass now because you're the owner of the Cowboys. It does not surprise me at all that that is where you were hanging out when you were a younger man. And I know a lot of people who have played for the Cowboys, covered the Cowboys, have come to your defense. They really like you. You're an honorable person, blah, blah, blah. We've seen many of your indiscretions. I have no doubt that Dan Snyder's private investigators have dirt all about you. Mr. Jones. You have shown your character over and over and over again. No matter how great of a businessman you may be and how great for the game of the NFL you have been, that does not change who you are as a person. And it does not shock me one bit that you were there on that day in Little Rock, Arkansas. Small world but does not surprise me one bit. This season, 2022, we saw rivalry. We saw tribalism. We saw pure testosterone go to the stupidest level that it almost can at a football game between Michigan and Michigan State. This is few weeks ago fight in the hallway on the way to the locker room Michigan State players punching swinging helmets attacking Michigan players after a loss hard fought in state here's here's the game this is what we do rivalry type game there's a trophy on the line it's now being reported that seven of those MSU football players, seven are being charged 
one with a felony. That's probably the guy you see swinging the helmet in the video. And to me, that is just stupid. That's as dumb as you can get. Let's be real. Yes, you were out there to beat that other team. They are your competitors. Between the, the, the kick and that final whistle, you have no love for anybody on the other side of that field. You are not trying to hurt them. You are trying to beat them. You are trying to break their will. You are trying to score one more point than they did. At no point does that carry over beyond the whistle, outside of the clock, or off the field. You are showing how small you are as a person when you go and attack any other football player because of the team they play for after the game, whether you win or lose. That's pathetic. It's embarrassing. It's truly unfortunate for the rest of your teammates, for the rest of the fans of that school, that this is how they're being talked about this weekend. Is, oh yeah, our team did do that. We did get in a fight for no reason. We did look childish. We did look pathetic. We looked like we could not control ourselves. Like we are poor losers and probably would have been poor winners. It's a brotherhood out there. It doesn't matter. You're not out there to hurt anybody. You're not out there to take anybody out. Now, granted, you don't want to see that other team after you just got your ass handed to you and lost in a big game. You don't want to hear them running their mouth. You don't want to hear them chirping. And that's a small hallway, confined space. Okay, I'll give you that argument. They never should have been put in the position to have this happen. Okay, I'll give you that argument. Outside of that, guess what? Personal responsibility kicks in. They didn't need to chirp back. They didn't need to react. They didn't need to throw fists. They didn't need to swing helmets. They didn't need to continue. Choice after choice after choice that led them to being charged for a college football game. Now, those are two things I don't like about sports this week. But it leads me into my first topic of Rivalry Week. Rivalry Week, when I was a kid, look, there were teams as a kid that I had, I was a fan of before I ever truly became a fan of an NFL team. I grew up in a Broncos house, so that's just was. But as a kid, I rooted for the CU Buffs, the Michigan Wolverines, Notre Dame, and... In the early 90s, I started really liking Florida State and the Bobby Bowden Stenders. Those were my four teams. Before I ever picked, became a fan of the Detroit Lions. Before I ever truly was an NFL fan, I was a college football fan. I watched far more college football. I got to go to college football games with my grandfather. So Rivalry Week was huge. See you, Nebraska, which thank you, college football, for screwing that up and getting rid of it. That was a huge rivalry. I loved that rivalry. I can remember doing Christmas shopping at Target as a kid and stopping in the TV section because the game was on and everybody standing around watching CU Nebraska. Now they don't play anymore, but they did manage, they did in rivalry week, 
they did both manage to get their names into the media this week. We can judge which one's bigger. I think it's Nebraska right now because it's pretty much a, a done deal. But Nebraska signing Matt Rule to an eight-year contract to come in and fix their program. He gave a lot of credit to Scott Frost. He gave a lot of credit to the interim coach and Joseph. But Matt Rule's coming in after what he did at Temple, after what he did at, at Baylor. Um, and he, he's going to be given, you know, some leeway to try and fix that Nebraska program, which he hopes, I hope he does. College football is better when Nebraska's a good team. Likewise, college football is better when Florida State is a good team. College football is better when CU is not ranked 132nd in the freaking nation. So Nebraska gets Matt Rule on the same day in rivalry week. We find out that CU has made an official offer to Deion Sanders to be the head coach of their football program, to leave Jackson State, what he is building at the HBCU after the first undefeated season in the history of that program, and bring his talents up to Boulder and try and revitalize that team from the pathetic, embarrassing 132nd ranked team or whatever they were last in FBS this season to a respectable Pac-12 school to a school that can get some recruiting, to a school that can at least keep their in-state players, to a school that's going to get guys because they want to play for Prime, because they know Prime can get them to the next level, because they know Prime cares about them as a person and as real as real can be. I would love it if CU got Prime, if Deion Sanders, if Coach Sanders came in and revitalized that Buffalo's program. It won't be his last stop. He won't be there for 15, 20 years. He might be there three or five seasons and then move on to the next thing. But that would bring some juice. That would change the direction of that program right now. You can't even call it a downward spiral. You can't see him so far. They're so far down in the hole. It's like, where are they? Do, do, are you sure you're not an intramural program? You're really Division One. That's how bad CU is right now. So they got to do anything to pump life back into that program. And you're not pumping more life than what Deion Sanders is going to bring. Now I mentioned Florida State. Florida State, Florida. Amazing game every year, right? In the 90s, five times the winner of that game went on to play for a national title. Last night, the Florida-Florida State game was fire. It was amazing. Back and forth. At different points, the momentum swings. You thought at halftime, Florida's going to, they're getting ready to take off with this thing. They're building the momentum. This is about to be their thing. Then Florida State goes on a run. It's like, okay, whoa. They're about to blow these guys out. Then Florida comes back. It was a banger. We were not disappointed by that game. Ohio State, Michigan today. Ohio State, the first 12, 15 plays on defense, it looked like Michigan wasn't going to have a chance in this game. They were going to be trading field goals for touchdowns at best. Then Michigan hit them deep, hit them deep again, kept jabbing. They were taking away the running game and leaving nobody in the passing game, man-in-man situations, and McCarthy and Harbaugh took advantage. And Michigan spanked them. 
in the shoe for the first time since like 2000, they go into Ohio State and come out with the victory. Now, the committee, committee's upset right now. You got to understand that, right? The championship committee, they don't, they didn't want Michigan in. Michigan just, Michigan just kept doing their thing. They kept winning games. They got past the Illinois. Now, it was going to be easy for the committee. Lose to Ohio State. We don't even have to give you the fourth seed. We can just move you out. You're not in the title. Your, your conference championship game. You lost at the end of the season. Look how easy our choice is. But what did the Wolverines do? They said, okay, let's adjust a little bit. Let's think. This is chess, not checkers. They're taking this away. We're going to do this. We're going to hit a couple. We're going to use the pass to open up the run, which will then get us back to where we want to be. And by that fourth quarter of today's game, that's exactly what they were doing. I mean, what did the running back have on, on those two runs? 80-plus 80, 80 yard run, 70-plus yard, yard run, both in the fourth quarter, right? 150 yards rushing in the fourth quarter out of one player. They use those big shots to loosen up the box, to tire those guys out, and then they didn't keep gap assignments, and the Wolverines were able to gash them. I did not see that coming. I thought if the Wolverines got this one, it was going to be close. It was going to be some kind of game-winning drive or big stop. But I'll tell you what, they went out and put it on those Buckeyes today. Buckeyes, they can still get that four seed. I can see the committee doing that. Michigan loses today. They wouldn't They wouldn't have had a chance. So that was a big one. You still got USC, Notre Dame later. Um, what other ones are out there today? You got Oregon, Oregon State, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, Alabama, Auburn. Alabama's putting it on Auburn right now. Um, Iowa State, TCU. You would have think Iowa State, Iowa would be this time of year. Uh, Michigan State, Penn State. Colorado is playing today, but they're playing Utah. Rivalry week, Utah, CU. Nope, not ringing a bell for anybody, right? Um, who else we got out there today? Tennessee, Vanderbilt's out there. Kansas State, Kansas. Washington, Washington State. Georgia put it on Tech earlier, 37-14. to 14. That was a good game early, though. South Carolina, another big win. Another big win. They go out and beat Clemson today. Clemson was a pretender this season, in my opinion, anyway. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 31-30. Florida State has won five in a row. That's a team. I'm telling you, Florida, Florida State is good. The rest of college football is better. Clemson got to be Clemson because of the dominance of Florida State. Mississippi State Ole Miss on Thursday. Mississippi State wins that one. Lane Kiffin des- then decides to stay at Ole Miss. He will not be leaving for the Auburn job. 
NC State beats North Carolina on a missed field goal in double overtime. So there's some good ones. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, there's some good ones left. I mean, there's, <laughs> I don't know that any of them are going to be as big as the Michigan-Ohio State game, but there's still some good games left out there. LSU-Texas A&M a little bit later. UCF-South Florida. Big one at 5.30, of course, Notre Dame and USC. Tune into that one to wrap up your rivalry week. Then you get into the rest of the NFL games that are coming up, right? So we'll get the picks here in a minute. But on Thanksgiving, you had the Giants in Dallas setting a record. 42 million people turned into the Giants in Dallas game as Dallas came away with the victory in that one. Detroit and Buffalo, what can we say? Both teams were missing players. Both teams fought hard. Um, Detroit is they're the king of the moral victory. Uh, since 1957, they're the king of the moral victory. It looked like they were taking that one into overtime to give themselves a little bit more of a chance at victory there. 23 seconds left on the clock. Uh, Will Harris, who struggled in that game to stay with any of Buffalo's receivers, gave up the big play. It looked like he thought he had more uh, uh, help over over the top, and the guy wasn't quite quite there. Um, I'm not sure, but that's what it looked like to me. And Harris, he gets beat on the play. They're in field goal range immediately, get a few more yards, kick the field goal. They go on to win 28-25. Um, in a game where, hell, a lot of people are going to sit there and go, look, Detroit, they played better than we thought. Uh, even in a loss, this is the best game they've played on Thanksgiving in many years. Um, they're turning things around. They're getting better. Sure, that's all true. We've got some talent. We're turning a direction. The coaching staff is figuring things out. They struggled with clock management at the end of the second half and the end of the first half. Um, I've heard the argument if Goff hits Chark on that play and doesn't miss him, that we're not talking about clock management, and I disagree because it wasn't just at the end of the game that they struggled with it. They've struggled with it twice in this game. They've struggled with it several times over the last few weeks, and we know it was a point of emphasis coming into this season. As Dan Campbell said, looking at last year, that's an area they wanted to get better. Well, where the play selection uh, has gotten better in those moments, the way you manage the clock has not. The way you burn off time to not give Buffalo time at the end of the first half to try and come down and score again did not work out. Uh, the end of the second half, you did not use the time properly. You ran out of time. You were using up the time, but then you did not give yourself enough time uh, to try and make better choices on your plays to close that game out, ending up having to kick the field goal to tie instead of not having a better opportunity to go for the go-ahead touchdown. Um, so, look, you play the games that are on your schedule. Detroit gave it everything they had. They deserved the win there, but so did Buffalo. Buffalo gave it everything they had. They lost Vaughn Miller during the game, um, and they pulled it out. Detroit played it one hell of a game. We have shown we can play with Philadelphia, beat us by three points. We have shown we can play with Buffalo arguably two of the better teams in football, two teams that are considered to be contenders. Detroit has shown we are right there. We're a few plays away from being able to beat these teams or one lucky possession here or there. 
that will attract people moving forward as far as free agents. We already know guys like to play there. It was one hell of a game. I'm disappointed with the loss, but looking at what overall picture, looking at the long run, knowing we're going to start getting some guys back, it's going to open things up a little bit on that offense even more. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Let's continue building that defensive side of the ball. Let's use the cap money, the draft picks we're going to have. Let's hope the Rams continue losing and we get a cut, another top pick in the draft. And uh, we'll, we'll keep this thing riding out. Minnesota, New England, they closed the night out. Minnesota, one hell of a game. Justin Jefferson, he's amazing. Kirk Cousins, I'm telling you, this is the Kirk Cousins that we saw early on in Washington. You give him a pocket, you give him time to execute the offense, he can be as good as anybody in the league. You pressure him, he can't have time to figure things out and see the field. He's just going to try stuff and it's not going to work. Right now, he's got the time, the offense is clicking, the defense is making enough plays, and Minnesota looks solid. I don't think there's still a true contender. Uh, I think there's three, four teams ahead of Minnesota that I like a little bit more in the playoffs than them, but they're playing tough, they're playing hard, they're playing together, and they believe in each other right now. And that, that at times, can be a hard thing to beat because they don't know, hey, we might lose this game. Ultimately, I only picked one game right on Thanksgiving. I got the Minnesota-New England game, Minnesota-New England game correct. Um, I did take um, Dallas, so I got that game right, but I also took Detroit to beat Buffalo. So I got two games right. I did take Minnesota, and I did take um, Dallas to win two out of three on Thursday. As far as the rest of my picks, I know Lamar's messing with, he's got the hurt hit, but I'll take Baltimore over Jacksonville right now. I think Chicago, they beat the Jets this week. The Jets, as as tough as they're playing, as good as they were playing early in the season, they're starting to unravel a little bit. Frustrations are going to start showing a little bit. And I think Chicago, ultimately, they're trending in the other direction. So I'll take Chicago to win this game. Cincinnati at Tennessee, I was taking Cincinnati, but with Jamar Chase and uh, Mixon out, I will take Tennessee in that game. I'm changing that pick right here. I'll take Denver to beat Carolina with Sam Darnold making his first start in a year plus at least. Um, I'll take Indianapolis over Pittsburgh this week. Kansas City is going to beat the Rams. The Chargers over Arizona, even with Kyler Murray coming back, I'll take the Chargers in that one. I'll take Miami over Houston. Houston is easily the worst team in the NFL right now. Philadelphia is going to beat Green Bay this week. They're just a better team. Uh, their secondary is going to erase what Green Bay can do on offense. I don't think Green Bay's running game can outdo what Philadelphia can roll out there as far as defensive scheme. Philadelphia makes enough plays. Jalen Hurts makes enough plays. Philadelphia is just the better, deeper team. So I take Philadelphia in that game. San Francisco is going to beat the Saints this week. Seattle should be all over the Raiders. Tampa Bay should beat Cleveland. And I will take the Commanders in a tough-fought game over the Atlanta Falcons this week. Again, my picks are not intended to encourage you or inform you on how to bet. They are my picks. I barely make 500 every week. So don't use them to try and make bets. That's just how I see the games going. 
when I was young, we're going to sw- switch gears, switch decades. When I was young, big WWE fan. Andre the Giant, Bushwhackers, Bobby Heenan, Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake, Kaku, Demolition, Heart Foundation, Big Boss Man, One Man Gang, all of them, all of them. Bad News Brown, Junkyard Dog. Loved it. Loved the 80s, loved the WWF. Um, first pay-per-view I ever got to watch was Survivor Series 1998, if I recall. Might have been Rumble in 89. One of those three. Might have both been in 90. It was right around that time. Anyway, that Survivor Series, that 1990 Survivor Series, Survivor Series to me, is still the greatest Survivor Series of all time. Now, I'm seeing it through a lens of, a, of somebody who, who watched it as a child and experienced it and had feelings and all that stuff about it, you know, 30-plus years ago. But you look at the cast of characters, right? You had the Hulkamaniac team, Hulk Hogan, Jim Duggan, Tugboat, Big Boss Man. You had the Ultimate Warrior team with the Legion of Doom, Warrior, and Texas Tornado. They took on Demolition and Mr. Perfect. Hogan took on Earthquake, Dino Bravo, Haku, and the Barbarian. Those were the big-time matches. Then you had the Mercenaries, right? You had the Orient Express, Boris Zukov, and Sergeant Slaughter against Nikolo Volkov, the Bushwhackers, and Tito Santana. You had Dusty Rhodes and the Hart Foundation, and Coco Beware taking on Ted DiBiase, Rhythm and Blues, and the surprise member. And the Rhythm and Blues, that was um, Honky Tonk Man and Greg, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine. As we've come to know, as we know now, that surprise team member was The Undertaker, Mark Gallows, making his WWEF debut demolished that survivor series you had the vipers with uh the rockers jake the snake and jimmy snooka taking on rick martell and warlord and power and glory i mean that lineup there's nothing that's going to take place tonight at survivor series that can compete with that lineup and i know they're they're billing this Survivor Series as War Games. Look, War Games, to me, you're not doing it right. I, I know you got the concept when you took over WCW, but your War Games do not have the same feel. Um, if I want to see a War Games now, I want to see in War Games WWE against AEW. WWE against New Japan Pro Wrestling. WWE against Impact. Something like that. Bring that type of a gimmick to the table in a war game setting with the two ring, three ring, four ring. Now, the matches tonight, they're not horrible. The Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens versus the Bloodline. Okay, not bad. We've got some storylines. We saw what's going on with Sami Zayn this week and Kevin Owens making making comments and, and Jay hearing him from behind the door. We know what the Brawling Brutes could bring to the table. We know Kevin Owens is going for the title. We know Drew McIntyre wants to get it. Could there be the big moment where Sammy turns 
or Sammy doesn't do what he needs to, or this is the time where they start moving Jay out. Something happens in this match along that storyline tonight. Then you've got Bianca Blair, Belair versus Damage Control, right? You got the three members of Damage Control, Nikki Cross and Rhea Ripley taking on Bianca Belair, Asuka, um, Mia, um, and then their final member being uh, Alexa Bliss and the man Becky Lynch came back last night. I think that'll be a good match. That'll probably be the match of the night. It's not going to be billed as match of the night, but it could be match of the night. You could see Bray Wyatt. Something happened in this match. We keep hearing things about Alexa Bliss there. Maybe something along those lines happens in that match. Um, outside of that, you know, two of the members of Damage Control don't really care too much about what they're going to bring to the table for this match. All of Bianca's team, I want to see. I want to see what Rhea, what Nikki, you know, Bailey, what they're all going to bring to this match. Um, Ronda versus Shotzi. Wouldn't be surprised if Shotzi somehow wins this or gets close to winning this. Or Ronda gets disqualified or gets into a Shayna Baszler. Um, it seems like any number of stereotypical outcomes could end with this match. Raquel could get involved. Um, Charlotte could come make an appearance at this. Uh, calling out Ronda basically cost Ronda the match. Reinsert herself into the situation. Then you've got uh, AJ Styles and Finn Balor going at it. We'll see how much interference is in that game because there's probably going to be quite a bit. Uh, you got the triple threat match for the U.S. title. Bobby Lashley, Rollins, and Theory going on there. Should be a solid night. There shouldn't be any duds. Um, but you just never know how the writing and the execution and the storylines will take place. And that's so much more of what it is now as an adult than in 1990 when I was a kid and it was awe and spectacle and wow and believing in the characters and all that kind of stuff, right? So to me, Survivor Series 1990, best of all time. But for everybody else, tune in tonight. Make your own opinion. Maybe tonight's your favorite of all time. Now, why I love sports, two reasons why I love sports to end the show today. Again, we started with two reasons why I did not like sports this week. Now we're going to end the show with reasons 171 and 172 why I do love sports. After their game in, in Indianapolis this week, we saw the footage. We saw Nick Sirianni, head coach of the Eagles, go over to the fans and say that one's for Frank Reich. He coached with Frank Reich for three seasons in Indianapolis. That's his boy. He's sticking up for him. He doesn't like the way it went down. Um, and I love it. I'm sorry. You you do build some loyalty in sports. Now, should it ever spill over the way it did versus Michigan and Michigan State? No. Are you going to take that frustration out sometime by chirping? Yes. Can you chirp a little bit after you get a victory? Yes. You're not going to go chirp after a loss. You're going to chirp after a victory. You're going to chirp on their field when their team is the one who cut your guy as coach. The guy who gave you your start, your chance, who ultimately led to you being the head coach 
of the Philadelphia Eagles, the team with the best record in football this year. So you're out there going, hey, I'm going to do a solid for my guy. I've got no problem with that. He didn't take it too far. He didn't he didn't cuss at fans. He didn't call them out personally. He didn't call them ugly names. He let out his one moment of personal frustration after a win. That one's for Frank Reich. I'm all about it. Do your thing, Coach Nick. That's the type of coach I would play for. And then the reason we're going to end the show on this, this is as real as it can get. I'm so proud of this young lady, Olivia Picardo. Um, she has played for USA Baseball's women's national team. Uh, she has off the field. She's interned with the New York Mets amateur scouting department. She has walked on the baseball team at Brown. And as of earlier this week, she has become the first woman on an active NCAA Division I baseball roster in the history of the sport. That is to be, to be commended. That is to be respected. I salute. I tip my cap to you, Olivia. Keep doing your thing, breaking those ceilings, pushing through. And until next time, y'all know how we do. Just be real. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.